1: The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always with my co-host Nick Villato. And if you hear that tone in my voice, it's a little bit of excitement because I am excited after watching the All-22. I was down on the Giants after their loss this week, and I think a lot of that had to do with Saquon Barkley injury. Injuries always kill me. They hit me the hardest. Nothing hits harder, though, than a penalty that sways a game. I, can't, I couldn't get nothing to get me more mad, and nothing like that happened in this game, but the injury took its toll. But now, after watching All-22, I really am a little more confident in what they have out there, what they're putting out there. And this was a game of missed opportunities for the Giants where if just a few different things go right, a drop pass on third and seven by Darius Slayton, you know, just things like that. It's a different ballgame, and the Giants win this ballgame. And yeah, the Bears are not some Super Bowl contender, but the Bears are a team with playoff aspirations, a good defense, and a pretty solid roster that was in the playoffs a few years ago. So I came away... A lot more optimistic about this Giants team moving forward after the All-22. Where did you stand, Nick, after watching the All-22?
2: I thought there were some solid adjustments on both sides of the football, and I also came away just uh, enthusiastic about the future of this Joe Judge-led Giants team where these guys are playing hard they're playing to the whistle they're much more disciplined I guess you could say I mean there was a lot of adversity for the New York Giants in this game they lose their star running back Sterling Shepard goes down and they're able to mount a realistic comeback where they were one play away from beating the Bears in on their home turf so I also came away optimistic about what I saw and I'm all
1: also optimistic about what could happen this Sunday against a beat-up 49ers squad. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, look at it. Look at it like this. Yeah, they came up one play short, but it was also several other plays that could have flipped this game in a game that ends up being, you know, decided by four points and one play at the end. And you watch a team that came out at halftime with their hair on fire. The defense came out really rallying to the football on that first possession for the Bears after the Giants obviously had the ball first, but then the Bears got the football and i I saw a team that was playing with energy i saw a team that was really playing as if they had taken in what the coach had said at halftime they'd adjusted not just schematically but within themselves to kind of bring out their best in that second half and the giants for the most part dominated that second half it was aided a bit by what you said i do agree it was a bit of a more conservative approach by the Bears, but that was really a lot based on what the Giants were doing defensively. When Mitch tried to throw, coverage was there, and when he took his chances, Hedberry specifically made some really awesome plays on the ball to change this game defensively as well. So I thought that And again, if you even look at it from just both angles, the offense really only had a few possessions. They had five possessions in the second half, I believe, and they cashed in on almost all of those. They didn't, they weren't, it wasn't like the first half where they're a little bit lethargic, where they kind of were forced to punt the ball or they turned it over on a couple possessions. It wasn't that at all. They, Drove the ball down. They unfortunately they settled for a lot of field goals, which we talk which we'll talk about, because those really ended up being the difference in the game. The two field the two drives where they got down at the Bears territory. The first was the drop by Slayton, which we'll get to, which really changes the complexion of the game. And the second one was what I thought was a little bit maybe too I don't want to say conservative to kick a field goal when you're down seventeen ten with seven and a half minutes left, but I just don't totally see the point of, of cutting a game to four points. Um, and it, they would have had to do a lot of differently on that drive because they went first and 10, incomplete pass, second and 10, incomplete pass, third and incomplete pass. They would have had to set up for a fourth and manageable, which they didn't. But in the end, the end result was another field goal. But again, still a good drive. The Giants, on both of those drives, even though they settled for six on those two drives, they really did a good job controlling the clock and moving the football. So again, I thought they, for the most part, dominated a whole full half of football after losing, like you said, Saquon Barkley and going behind 17 nothing absolutely going behind 17
2: nothing that's no easy feat on the road man it's easy for these young teams to just crumble especially with the loss of saquon barkley did not happen a lot of resilience a lot of perseverance there from this joe judge led squad so i'm definitely like i said optimistic and
1: also i think before we dive into this all 22 dan we should probably talk about the newest new york giant yes we do have to get to the news we did want to give our overall takes the all 22 1st though. get that out and in front but before we break down possessions and plays that change this game and what to look forward to Let's talk about the news, and the news is the Giants have signed Devante Freeman to a one-year three million deal. According to his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, Freeman turned down more money to sign with the Giants because he liked the opportunity. The plan is for him to, he has already gone through his COVID testing, that was tonight. The plan is for him to practice tomorrow on Wednesday when he arrives, and then the plan is... He might be playing this Sunday against the 49ers it seems improbable because he won't really know too much about the Giants playbook and about you know running behind these blockers but at the same time it's possible we saw Leonard Fournette playing some kind of role in week one with the Bucks after spending the, almost the entire offseason with the Jaguars so it's not impossible for this specific position running back and we'll see what happens there but I do think overall even though Freeman wasn't playing his best football at age 27 last year I I, still—I went back and I watched watched that final—he had a really good final week set 16 game. Um, And I call it final. It wasn't the final game of the season, but it was the fantasy championship. And I remember because in my my main league, somebody literally won the league by going with Freeman, which everybody thought was a terrible decision because he hadn't cashed in all year. And he had a really good game. Um, And he looked kind of a little bit like trademark Freeman there. He's good in pass pro, I think. I think he's really good at catching the ball out of the backfield. They're going to have some interesting wrinkles in the screen game that you can add with somebody like Freeman— We'll see what happens there, but I think the key thing here, Nick, is that they needed to add another body because, and you'll, you'll tell me if you saw this too, I really didn't love what I saw from Deion Lewis from just as far as a running behind the tackles and picking the right holes type of situation that I saw. I mean, he had a couple decent runs, but there were some missed opportunities there. Dion Lewis isn't that kind of guy. I mean, he's there to be a
2: pass blocker, and he's also there to be the receiving back, which he did a solid job at doing in the game against the Bears, but... In terms of Devonta Freeman it's going to be between him and Wayne Gallman I would imagine by the third week with the team Devonta Freeman's probably going to win that job unless Wayne Gallman can really come into the 49ers game which I feel like he will dress to be honest and really show that he can carry this team which honestly is very debatable he wasn't drafted by this general manager and there were also talks in training camp of him possibly not making this team so this could be a three-headed backfield but since the since Drew Rosenhaus and Devonta Freeman end up signing with the Giants, I would imagine that he's under the assumption that he can win this job and dominate the touches, at least on the early downs. And I personally think Deion Lewis, yes, he's a passing downs back, but he's not going to be exclusively the passing downs back. The Giants, if Freeman is anywhere close to what he was when he was 25, which was back when he was with Atlanta in 2017... I know that seems like a long time ago, but 2018, he hardly played. And then last year, he looked washed. But as you said, Week 16, he came out and had a good game. I do feel like Freeman will also have a role as a third down back along with Deion Lewis.
1: Yeah, I do too, Nick. And let's be clear about one thing regarding Freeman's 2019 season. There were ma- massive issues from a continuity standpoint, from an injury standpoint, on the Falcons offensive line. Mm-hmm. They were also in a situation where every single game they were playing behind by multiple scores which can't help him either so from what i saw when i went back and watched and i still need to see a lot more and i know you said the same thing but i saw a guy still has that same ability the nuances of the running back position he does a really good job of using his quick cutting ability to navigate through holes and i don't think deon lewis does that well i don't think deon lewis reads the blocks well and I, I do think Gallman does a good job of that and I really like the way Gallman kind of takes the dirty yards um, and is a little bit elusive in the passing game. So we'll see what happens with Gallman. I'm still a bit unsure what's going on there, but I agree with you. I think that Freeman will end up having a pretty big role for the season. I don't think they would sign him to one-year, three-million deal. But before we close the book on Freeman, because there's still a lot to be found and we'll learn it during the season, I do think we're running into another... Um, you know, wide receiver, core wide receiver, corpse type situation here with the way you pronounce Devonte Freeman. Because while I admittedly take my lumps for just an overall sad—I'll call it sad, pathetic—pronunciation of corpse. It's really obviously core. Oh, it's pathetic. It, was pathetic. it was pathetic. and I don't know how I didn't know that. And I eat my crow on that, Nick. But at the same time, I have never heard him referred to as Devonta Freeman. It, it is you Devante. say no, it's Devonte. I'm pretty sure here. This one, I'm actually pretty sure I'm right about, but. Devonta, the way you say it, just with a U, almost. I
2: mean, it's Devonta. I guess you could say, but, but you, it's not
1: Devontae. A lot of people mix up his name with Devontae Parker. Or it is Devontae, actually. Or yeah,
2: it's Devonta.
1: It's Devonte Freeman. It literally ends in an A. Yes, that's a that's an A. That's a that's a hard A. Sound. It's not a. You're using the hard <laughs> A. It's an, All right, it's irrelevant. I, I have more points on Wayne
2: Gallman and Devonta Freeman than I to get to. Freeman, to yes, Gotcha, go gotcha. On. But Wayne Gallman made this team for a reason. A lot of people are freaking out that he wasn't dressed in this game, and that was because, as you alluded to on the last podcast, Saquon Barkley was dominating touches. He had like 89% of the touches in week one, so presumably if Saquon's healthy, he's going to dominate the touches. No reason to dress another running back. But now that he's not there and you have Freeman on the roster who doesn't really know the playbook, Gallman is going to come and he's going to have a role. He beat out players like Javon Leak for this roster position, so the Giants do see some value in him. So I do feel like he will have a role going forward. As for... Devonta Freeman I also feel the Giants are really excited to bring this guy in and I think it from a fantasy perspective this could be a really gross situation
1: yeah I wouldn't go ahead and blow your fantasy budget on any of these players but Devonta Freeman would be the one that I would spend the most money on here I'd probably prioritize Mike Davis over him I'd probably the thing is even with Davis Davis is going to be better in this four-week period when Christian McCaffrey's out But the thing with Freeman is it doesn't take much these days to be an RB2. It just basically takes volume. And he has probably, from a season-long standpoint, the clearest path of anyone on the free agent market. Earlier, I would have said Gallman is the guy to go. I mean— you said it best the reason lewis dressed over gallman last week is because lewis is better in pass pro they think and lewis is kind of more just a fit for what they they brought him in to play this third down role they signed him to a contract for a reason um even though i do think that gallman was really much better and more underrated than people think in pass protection last year and there were times that they brought him in instead of barkley and he did a really good job there and he did a really good job in the receiving game i don't know how people are just forgetting that washington redskins win from last season when barkley was out where where gallman had a really freaking good game that day i mean he was in. An awesome RB1 that day there was no you go watch that film and go look at the, even just box score scouts can tell you that one so I still think it's possible that he works his way in but I think long term if they're signing Devonte Freeman it's for a reason and it's good he's going to dominate the early down work and it's going to be kind of Lewis on those passing downs and maybe Gallman will be the spell guy the guy who gets a series or two when Freeman's if it was me now this is not what I would do and I'm curious what you would do if it was me and I know this sounds a little maybe surprising. My 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 situation would be a split where Devontae Freeman's playing almost every single passing down because he's proven that he's good in pass protection and he's really good at the backfield receiver. You give Lewis a couple passing downs and then the rest of the, and then he dominates all doesn't dominate. Then he takes I would say. Sixty percent of the early down work, and Gallman takes the other forty. I I would actually phase out Lewis in this situation if it was me. I'm not as high in Lewis as others. I think when he's in the backfield, it really limits what you can do in the running game, and it's really I mean, I, and granted, he had a couple tough runs. He had the third and one tough run earlier to get the first, and then he had the goal line run, which was awesome. Those were tough runs, and he did a really good job getting low. But there were also plays that there were also yards that he left on the field. I thought when I watched the game, there was a big hole he missed. Um, right at the beginning of when he came in for Barkley that he could have hit and he could have taken for a seven-yard gain Said he kind of cut back and got chopped down for nothing so to me I would actually my backfield would feature more Freeman and Gallman.
2: Freeman it for me it all depends on how effective Freeman is like you said the twenty nineteen Falcons were kind of trash on the offensive line and not just like trash is I guess mean. They, but they were young. Yeah. They were they were inexperienced. They were starting two rookies, Caleb McGarry and that kid from Boston College that they drafted. He was a guard. His name is Escaping Me. Lindstrom, the, I think. Yeah, yeah, Lindstrom. So it was a pretty inexperienced offensive line, similar to the New York Giants. But <laughs> Saquon Barkley, I mean, wasn't a big sample size, couldn't really do a lot behind this offensive line, and it was in a tough matchup. So I, I think it could be tough sledding, but I think the Giants are just going to try to keep these guys fresh, and they might end up dressing three running backs every game. Like they did in Week 1. They dressed three running backs. They used Gallman, and I remember Gallman also in that game, if I'm not mistaken, had a pretty bad pass protection mishap that uh, led to a Daniel Jones sack. So I think that, that probably leads to them being more confident with someone like D.L. Sure. Lewis. On third down as well,
1: yeah. And, that, and that's—I mean, Lewis is a professional. He, he's going to do what he's asked. And and you—you you heard what Joe Judge said this week. If you guys watched uh Joe Judge kind of break down the film, he does like the Judge Judge Report uh for Giants.com, and he said it with regards to Dion Lewis. It's a guy who always pretty much knows what to do. He's really advanced from the mental standpoint as far as every single play that they're calling and where he's supposed to be and both in pass protection in the receiving game when he when he leaks out and then also uh in the run game according to judge i have my i have my uh qualms or i shouldn't say qualms i have my doubts when it comes to how he's following the blocks and how where, where he's picking his holes and the nuances of just running between the tackles. So he did a little bit of a better job earlier in his career with New England, but I haven't really seen since from the Tennessee days um, and then now here. But, you know, he's a professional and the Giants like him a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if he continues to kind of play that pass-down role. Yeah, neither would I. All right, Nick, let's dive into some of the action here. Um, There's a few overall, the way we're going to do this today is there's a few, it's a little bit different than last week when they dumped the All-22 on us Thursday, and I had no opportunity, given my work schedule, to to really digest it until the weekend. This weekend, they dumped it uh, Monday night, I believe. We both had a chance to to individually break it down ourselves on Tuesday, so we're going to do closer to what we did last year with possession by possession breakdowns, and then finally, just some overarching points. Nick has some points on Daniel Jones are going to go over Nick has some points on kind of just the game plan that I also wanted to talk about and the adjustments because that's going to be a big part of every single one of these podcasts how did the Giants come into the game with a game plan what was it how did they execute it and then did they adjust if things weren't going well and in this game obviously things weren't going well they went down 17-0 um, but first let's start with the first possession of the game the Bears have the football they drive it down they chew off almost in half the entire quarter and then score a touchdown um, we can talk about the final play, the third and six touchdown, where Mitch scrambles on the run. It looks like kind of the running back gets lost, and he throws a touchdown. I thought it was a really good individual play by Mitch, but I thought there was a play before it that I really wanted to bring to your attention that really defined the drive to me. A play that the Giants looked like they had no chance to stop, even though they were in third down. So it's third and two. The Bears are under center, so it's not like the Bears were in shotgun. They weren't tipping off pass to me, and the Giants are in an interesting look here. They have just two down uh, interior defensive linemen. It's 97 and 99, so it's Leonard and um, Dex. And they're lined up on the inside shoulder of the guards. They're in a 2-3-6 occupying the A-gap here. But again, it's 3rd and 2. Mitch is under center. This is a pretty light box, a pretty light idea by the Giants. A 2-3-6 on 3rd and 2 seems like it may not work here. And especially when at the second level you have Blake and you have... Uh, peppers who end up lining up end up kind of creeping up over the two defensive linemen right before the snap and then the bears motion the receiver across the formation so he comes from the bears left to the right taking a defensive back out of the way and the bears just throw a pitch then to the left where peppers is basically forced to chase down Montgomery which he does a really good job fighting through traffic but at the same time the Bears have a lead blocker coming out there who if anything Darnay Holmes who's kind of maybe the force defender on the edge could potentially scrape and get there but at the same time even if he does get there and he does try to and and he's any slow to get there even if he does get there it's going to be tough for him to beat out to beat to make the tackle that Bears lead lineman and in the end the end result is montgomery pretty much gets the edge with ease and gets an easy first down yes peppers kind of somehow finds a way to fight to fight through this entire mess and it's a really ugly looking play for the giants in my opinion
2: now let's take a quick break to hear a word from our lovely sponsors here at blue wire Lisa knows the local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So, now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contact list symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsor jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. That's a lot of businesses, ladies and gentlemen. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. And that means anywhere. You can go to Mars. Yeah, that's anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com BlueWire, all one word. Terms and conditions apply. Offer ballot through September 30th.
1: But it just seems like such an easy solution for the Bears on third and two. I don't know why they're in a 2-3-6 here. Yeah,
2: it was a definitely light for a
1: down that could have been a run-heavy down.
2: And I know they lined up with Jimmy Graham out there, so they have, you know, a tight end. But Jimmy Graham was also split out. Honestly, on that specific play, we're lucky that that wasn't like a yeah. touchdown run. And it was only a seven-yard gain because Peppers really does a great job. Because if you look at that play and you freeze it when when you see David Montgomery just after he does his little stutter step to go back inside and he bounces outside, he spills it back outside. You have Darnay Holmes, Jabril Peppers there. No other Giants are really that close, and you have three blocking bears. I think Julian Love might have closed with and got – Montgomery out of bounds before he could have broke away that's definitely something that probably realistically would have happened but it could have been a worse play and I'm I'm not a huge fan on that specific third and two lining up in that kind of front I love protecting the a gap I feel like the the Giants defensive line does a good job doing that because they are really strong at the point of attack and this was really early on in the game before attrition really kind of took its toll on this team but you're kind of giving up the B-gap, and you played to not give up the C-gap by having a player like Lorenzo Carter, basically in a wide nine, but there were so many receivers tight that they blocked down on Carter, mm-hmm. and James Bradbury and Darnay Holmes weren't able to kind of recognize the play, fight through the blocks, and get to David Montgomery. So kudos to Jabril Peppers on this play. Now, Jabril Peppers, I feel like, had an up-and-down game. There, I swear, something about Jabril Peppers, where I see him, running the opposite direction of the line of scrimmage with his back turned to the line of scrimmage way too often i saw it like twice in this game now he's athletic enough to kind of pull that off to totally flip his hips but i feel like he's a little indecisive in coverage and he gets lost a little bit i don't know if you pick that up at all but it's something that I, i do see with jabril i don't think he's a liability whatsoever but he does make some plays in coverage and even against the run more so in coverage where i feel like he's a little hesitant to to pull the trigger or he just seems a little bit lost for a split second and then he regains his composure looks around
1: and then tries to match with whatever receiver is near his zone. yeah no I see it too Nick Peppers is a guy that I focused in on I key in I try to key in on at least one player each time I go back on this film and because he was a guy when I watched the broadcast I said you know I didn't really see too much of Peppers I want to hear his name more I want to see him more I want him making more plays because he should be in a position to be making a lot of plays the way the Giants are using him and this was actually a great play by Peppers probably one of his best of the game but i think you're right a lot of the times he's not you don't see him making the big play and you don't see him in the position to make the big play like you said because he's still a little hesitant maybe that's him you know learning his third defense in the last 3 years i don't know if that's factoring in there maybe it's the fact that he was working on communication with Xavier McKinney for the majority of this tr- this offseason and then Ooh, in a split second he's asked to work with somebody else back there I don't know what the case is but we haven't seen exactly the player we all hope we would see the breakout yet from him I don't think at least um and so that's something that remains to be seen he's like you said he's definitely not a liability whatsoever this is not Antoine Bethea back there this is not Darren Thompson back there this is not some of the safeties Giants fans that have to endure over the years but he just hasn't become that playmaker yet
2: he'll have solid plays against the run as we both talked about on the first drive the I think it was the second and eight he comes down and he takes out the pulling H back from the opposite side of the line of scrimmage totally fills the hole doesn't allow the H back to climb to the second level and locate a linebacker or anything like that just creates so much traffic in the C gap I believe it was and then Leonard Williams comes off his block and ends up making the tackle on that specific play and then there was also a play in the third quarter around the 940 mark where peppers comes from the back side of the formation the giants are in their bare front three down lineman dexter lawrence bj hill and austin johnson and he just comes from the weak side of the formation and uses great backside pursuit to kind of locate cordero patterson about four yards past the line of scrimmage but he kind of comes down from a higher depth just really good tracking ability squares him up and just delivers a really punishing hit on the opposite side of the formation so i mean peppers will do those things in the run game i hope that stays consistent i hope he can stay healthy because he got dinged up hurt his back last year doing executing this similar type of role but in coverage i do feel like he has a couple lapses out there
1: and that's kind of the thing though that's kind of the crux of it with peppers because he's not and let's be clear about this because there was obviously even in the plays you you, we just broke down there were three really good plays that he made he's still not landing collins in the run game he's still not coming down screaming like collins and always making that that and making big plays in the run, as big plays, I should say, in the run game. These are great plays by him, for sure, and he's executing them well. But the crux of it is this. If he doesn't take that next step in pass coverage and making a difference in that regard, then he's kind of just going to be, in my mind, almost like a poor man's Landon Collins. Because if you ask me right now, I think Landon Collins is gonna would be a better player right now in this exact role than what we've seen from Pepper so far.
2: It's hard to take a lot away from Landon Collins, and we're not going to make this a Landon Collins podcast, but I remember when he was being mentioned as Defensive Player of the Year, and I thought it was one of the biggest shams ever because a lot of those interceptions were so fluky, and he was definitely someone who was also somewhat of a liability in coverage. But, uh, yeah, I would like to see a little bit more from Pepsi. Well, no, no,
1: there's no doubt that, that was that's why they didn't re-sign Landon Collins. I'm not trying to say that, and I don't think they should have paid him that money. But my point is, if he ends up just being a poor man's Landon Collins in the sense that he's not really that good in coverage, and he's okay but not like... At Landon Collins level in the run game and come screaming downhill, making plays going down at the line of scrimmage, then it's kind of becomes a player that you don't know if you want to give that second contract to.
2: I 100% know what you mean. He just wasn't a player that you were going to reset the safety market with because he's not a deep,
1: deep middle of the field safety. Oh no, there's no doubt about it. We, we're we on the same page with regard to Landon Collins, but as far as the progression for Peppers goes, I'm still looking to see a little bit more from him in the past game for him to be what I expected he could be coming over from Cleveland. But let's move on to the first possession of the game for the Giants, um, where really not much happened. And this is kind of what happened here in this game. Giants started this game out super slow, and the Bears started this game out the complete opposite, grinding the Giants down and killing them in a time of possession battle. And it really defined the game, um, and it limited the Giants' opportunities in the first half. But for me, it was a little bit of an uninspiring game plan, I thought, to start from Jason Garrett, you have a really early play where they hit a quick, a quick hit to Shepard for not much, and on that second down, it's obvious run personnel, and they do the obvious thing and they run the ball, and it's dead on arrival, and the and the Giants are then kind of stuck in this third and long that they can't get out of, um, or well, not that they can't get out of that. Jones ends up fumbling the football on. So there's a play to break down there. Obviously, it's the dan Jones fumble. It's one of the biggest game changing plays of the game. We've already broken down what I thought was one of the bigger game-changing plays in the first drive, and that was the Montgomery 3rd and 2. That was just made too easy. But this play was obviously a game-changer in a lot of regards. It flipped the field. Giants' defense then did a great job, which we'll talk about, to limit them to a field goal. But at the same time, is it possible that this could be, you know, just... Back to the what's wrong with Daniel Jones, this one might be on him type situation in your mind after watching All-22.
2: I do think there's some of that there, but also even before that, I wish Daniel Jones recognized the leverage on the first offensive play of the drive or of the game, I should say, by the Giants because Saquon Barkley releases into the flat and he is basically all alone because it was man coverage and both of the defensive backs went with, went with, I think it was Evan Ingram and and uh, Darius Slayton and he didn't even recognize it he didn't see it because and I feel like this is a byproduct of the quick rhythm passing attack that Jason Garrett is employing yep. and I'm not knocking it because I do feel like it's necessary with the shaky offensive line but Saquon Barkley was wide open and Daniel Jones didn't look that way because the play side and the where he's directed to go with the ball is to the other side of the formation but if he saw that that would have been a huge gigantic play to open the game for the New York Giants offense but as you said man that third and six strip fumble I mean Jones had an indecisive moment there's no doubt. Jones ran I mean the Giants ran bunch to the field with a it was like a double china route coming out of the bunch. That means basically two in routes from the outermost receivers and then a flag or a seven route from the innermost over the top. And Jones had Shepard early in this rep, open, and Shepard also had leverage, but Jones hesitated due to that overhang safety on the opposite side of the field. So Jones kind of burped the baby a little bit, he double-clutched the football, and Thomas is beat pretty bad by Robert Quinn. I mean, on this Thomas didn't have a great game, but on this specific play, Thomas failed to punch, his feet looked like they got stuck in mud after the contact with Quinn, he never really went with Quinn up the arc, and Quinn just gets that strip sack. But Jones needs to do a better job diagnosing the coverage post-snap when his initial Reed is eliminated, and we've seen these struggles in the past. I personally think Jones could have got the ball to Shepard if he threw it really quickly, but that's not my main concern. My main concern is Jones' kind of lack of ability on this play to throw the one on one ball to the backside where Slayton had beat the corner terribly with no safety help. And since that safety sunk, that means there's a one on one matchup outside to that side, and Jones just hesitated, took too long, looked a little bit lost in that hesitation along with the poor protection, resulted in that strip sack, which, like you said, it's a huge play in the game, flips the entire script, and that's a
1: really terrible way to start a game on the road. Well, I think the key here is what you pointed out, and you you told me this, and then we watched it on tape, and when you look back, it's not something I expect a quarterback in his 15th game to be able to just snap his, fin- snap his fingers, be able to do, be able to process it, but it is something where, if Jones is going to take that next step, given... What he has from the mental standpoint here, I mean, I'm sorry, given what he has from a tool standpoint with the physical talent, we know he's not the biggest arm quarterback. That's obvious from anyone who watches Jones. He's going If he's going to take that next step and become a really high level quarterback in the nfl his processing doesn't have to speed up just like every other young quarterback but like you said if his processing is a little faster and he sees the overhang safety coming down he shall know in his brain that he has that one-on-one the outside with slayton and he'll flip his hips and he'll make that throw because he knows he can trust it because he sees the safety the overhang defender coming down so he knows boom that's one-on-one on the outside instead what you see is the hesitation like you said the padding of the ball the burping the baby as they call it which was a major issue for him at duke it was an issue that uh, Turchin and I spoke about at length because it's something that really bothered Turchin when he was watching his film. And it's not something that's I expected to, to immediately be fixed and changed by now. He still has time. This is what, his 15th total start in the NFL? Or 16th total start?
2: Second offense, And too. second
1: with this new offense, his third offensive system in three in three straight years. After, By the way, it's not just his third offensive system in three straight years. It's his third system, and the one that he played in in the first one was one that he just really mastered and was like and got completely used to and had to completely scrap and throw out under Pat Shermer and then once again under Jason Garrett so it's not like I'm gonna totally criticize him, but it is like. This is the these are the these are the instances where games can be decided. Instead of losing the ball and giving the Bears a short field to 25, you hit Slayden on that one-on-one and you move the ball to midfield and now you got a drive going. That's a big flip. And that's where if he takes that next step for me, Nick, it's gonna come in the processing game. Because I think with Jones, he has the necessary arm talent and he has really good ball placement and his footworks pretty good in the pocket. He's doing a much better job with his mental clock this year. He's getting out. He there's so so many examples of him getting out when Thomas got beat. Getting out, making a play with his legs, or when the the protection broke down, getting out, making that flip to Deion Lewis, which we'll go over. My favorite play of the game by Jones, and he's throwing really nice balls too on these deep digs. He's, he has specific balls that he's specific plays right now where he's throwing NFL level balls with good placement. He's got nice balls. He's got nice balls. <laughs> he throws a nice ball, but in the end, he's going to be a quarterback that wins with his mind. I mean, you when when Gil Brandt said watching a young Daniel Jones is like watching a young Peyton Manning we all knew it was hyperbole but at the same time we got what he was saying he doesn't have the biggest arm talent but he has the arm talent to make all the throws if he can put it on the right spots and more importantly stay in rhythm and pick the right spot so this was an example where he didn't exactly pick the right spot and ended up being a big play in the game
2: it was a huge play and it it is kind of difficult to knock Jones just because there wasn't a lot of time for him because Andrew Thomas was beat so bad but if he did recognize that safety really early on he could have gotten rid of the ball but there was that just slight hesitation but I don't want to knock the kid uh I don't want to knock the kid too much just because I do know that
1: he really was just beat pretty bad Andrew Thomas that is around the edge and
2: yeah there was not a lot of time for the kid
1: no not no time at all that was one of the bad one of the bad reps from Thomas not the only one was definitely not the game we saw against the Steelers Thomas regressed in some regards there Um, but how about this next session for the Bears the Giants this is a point where the game could get completely spiral out of control here Nick in my opinion because you're down seven nothing already and now the Bears have the ball in the short field I thought Dexter Lawrence on this drive made a key play that's not going to get talked about a lot it didn't it wasn't a fumble strip sack it wasn't a sack but the Bears ran a zone read with with Mitch Trubisky and they actually blocked this one up pretty well. They actually had a pretty good call here. The Giants weren't expecting. And Dexter Lawrence makes a really incredible individual play here to stop this second and six. and ter- or I'm sorry, to stop this, I believe it was second and nine, nine turn it into a, sec- a third and six by turning this on the three-yard gain. In my opinion, this is all Lawrence. If Lawrence doesn't make the play that he makes, Mitch is not only getting a first down, but he's getting a chunk yardage play. Mitch is going to destroy here. The Giants
2: came out with two down linemen, and it was Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, and then the three linebackers of Marcus Golden, Blake Martinez, and Lorenzo Carter. And Blake Martinez is removed, basically, from the play, going with Tariq Cohen. He's following Tariq Cohen. That's his assignment there. And I'm guessing he's probably not expecting Mitch to kind of take – the ball in this specific situation marcus golden is also held there right before the mesh point mitch tucks it has two blockers and dexter lawrence just makes an incredible effort play there and this could have been like a six seven yard gain and but instead it's a three yard gain so and this also leads to the next play where it was probably should have been a touchdown pass to anthony miller but anthony miller doesn't come down with it but that's an incredible individual play by Dexter Lawrence and a really athletic one too, because he has to jump to first off. He has to basically bench press number sixty-five off of his body. Yes. Uses use active hands to keep him away. Use power, then run to his left and then basically jump cut back to his right yes. to make the tackle on a much more athletic person in
1: Mitchell Trubisky. So watching a three hundred forty-pound <laughs> yeah. lineman move, like make that. that move like that and make that and commit his entire momentum to the left and then make that quick, agile ability have that quick agile ability to cut back to his right to stop the cutback from Trubisky it's awesome stuff every time I watch the film Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams play and doubt and Donovan Thompson are awesome players I have my question marks as to why those guys just aren't on the field for almost every snap the Giants have done a lot of what you said this two three six look in this game, which I am not a fan of. I don't I don't prefer it. I don't like it. I think it especially not against a team like the Bears. This is a team that is conservative and wants to do as little as possible to showcase Mitch Trubisky. I mean Mitch made a couple decent plays on the run, but overall, this was not a game plan that was Mitch centric. This was almost the opposite. This was let's not make Mitch let's not have Mitch kill us. So Dexter Lawrence here on this play made an awesome play. Eventually, like you said, um, Actually a decent ball from Mitch, but Anthony Miller makes a big drop, and the Giants limit the Bears to a field goal there.
2: Yeah, and the Giants mostly come out with three down linemen. That was the main personnel grouping that they would use. Like, as we said, that bear kind of front. So you have a nose tech who's directly over the center, a three tech to the weak side, and then a four-eye tech. You could just call it tight because it's not necessarily a true bear front. It's more of a bear-eagle kind of split. So you could just call it a tight formation. Really, it limits the inside rushing. But in this game, yeah, Patrick Graham definitely – uh, came out with more two down linemen looks sometimes didn't use any linemen whatsoever in passing situations which didn't really work out all that great there were times where patrick graham came out with four down linemen and would use leonard williams as a defensive end and like a four three kind of look so i like the fact that he's adjusting and kind of trying to find himself as a defensive coordinator again this is a, only a second game with new personnel because there was no preseason and i know that kind of goes overlooked but there is something to be said about that on a new coaching staff so he's definitely trying to find ways to utilize his personnel to the, best of their ability i agree i would love for dalvin tomlinson dexter lawrence and leonard williams to be out there all the time but then you watch the fourth quarter and you see dalvin tomlinson getting bullied off the line of scrimmage something that we never see and you're like what's really going on there it has to be just fatigue at that point so you do need to kind of get bj hill who had a solid game and even austin johnson i guess to a lesser extent out there for some
1: snaps well there was one really 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 good bet by austin johnson in this game by the way i think you know the one i'm talking about we might get to it a bit later, I'm I'm definitely happy with him in this rotation. Um, obviously, just a rotational piece, but definitely somebody who I think can be a solid player for them for sure. Let's get to nothing really happens for the Giants on their next possession that that of note. So let's get to the third possession where I have an interesting point. Uh, something I just want to go over here. So I think overall, I do like Patrick Graham's philosophy, which seems to me now is becoming evident that he wants to dare you to run the football. He, in general, I'm a big fan of coordinators who. Basically, it's a very Patriots esque way where, you know, like you said, there's sometimes these looks with only two down, a two, three, six, or even these bare fronts, which, you know, give team's the opportunity to run the football a little bit more but mostly these 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 specific two down lineman looks that are are kind of a bit confusing to me in some senses so in general i'm a fan of it i will say that in most game plans against most teams the giants are going to face i'm a fan of it against the bears i'm not a fan of it because mitchell Trubisky is the quarterback it's a team that wants to run first this team has shown throughout tape under matt nagy and mitchell Trubisky over the years that they've been together the past two years that they are a run first team so when you get them into a second and ten on this third possession they come out here and it just looks to me like the bears are lined up in an obvious rundown and don't get fo- if if you're showing run the bears here don't get don't get fooled if you're the giants by the run but instead it's another one of these looks where there's one down lineman over the center and then there's golden and Shane lined up wide and then it's pepper carter and martin in the middle this seems like a total recipe for disaster and the bears just scoop up an easy eight yards here to get into an easily convertible third and two what is what is in your sense is the is the idea behind this look and and was it as easy what how, how does this work for in my opinion if the bear i'll ask you this way how about this nick in your opinion is there any way to stop the run here you would have to rely on those second level
2: defenders to really A, be able to handle really big offensive linemen kind of in space. And they have Lorenzo Carter. They've been trying him out as a linebacker, possibly because Devontae Downs has not worked out on that weak side linebacker. So you have Lorenzo Carter there, and that's a beefier, bigger guy who is playing linebacker here. But you're right. They're baiting Mitch Trubisky to, or they're baiting this offense to run the football and even post-snap on this play. I mean, you have Leonard Williams directly on the nose. You have Blake Martinez and Lorenzo Carter both kind of flow towards the, a uh, little bit of a stretch kind of zone, but it ends up being like an inside zone. They they move horizontally, but uh, the running back cuts it right back up through the A-gap, but the line shifts horizontally, so it's like a stretch zone. Leonard Williams does a good job making the tackle, or at least slowing David Montgomery down so Lorenzo Carter can kind of come in, but it's... Uh, It's an easy front to run on. Really easy. (laughs) It's a very easy front to run on. You're relying on Leonard Williams, who's not the beefiest of defensive linemen on this roster, to kind of control both of these A-gaps, and then you have Blake Martinez and Lorenzo Carter with the B-gaps, and then outside the C-gaps, you have O'Shane and Marcus Golden, who are wide, who are really wide at the tackles, and you have also defensive backs kind of sprinkled throughout. It's definitely a formation that if I were to see as an offensive coordinator, I'm running the football nine times out of ten, and... Mitchell Trubisky is under center on this specific play as well so I'm not 100% sure where Patrick Graham what what he exactly was trying to achieve here maybe he was just really confident in the rush run defense but they end up picking up eight yards on this play and put up a third or set up a third and two where Mitch Trubisky converts to Jimmy Graham so it's definitely not something that you want to roll out there against a team who has a bad quarterback that you want to throw the football.
1: Yeah, and again, I, I do like the general philosophy of, of baiting so teams. I, yeah. I think it's a smart way to go, and I think it's a forward-level thinking. It's a pay, very patriotesque way to play the defensive side of the ball. But you got to sometimes consider down-distance matchup. In a second and ten, what your really goal should be is taking the chance to get Mitch Trubisky in that third and long. Because Mitch Trubisky is going to struggle in a lot of third and long situations. He's going to struggle to find a solution and to move the ball. Even earlier in the game on that first drive, he found a first down, kind of, where he threw the ball to Allen Robinson. He made an incredible catch. But there weren't too many solutions for Mitch when he was in third and long, which actually wasn't that often. But when he was, there weren't solutions So I think there's going to be some game plans and this one coming up against the 49ers team that might have Nick Mullins and runs the ball better than maybe any team in the NFL they can't be using these fronts on second and 10 against the 49ers is all i'm going to say i think the game plan has to completely shift against the 49ers and i think it will i hope it will but the whole baiting them to run thing i don't think that's going to work at all against the 49ers i don't think that's how you should play the 49ers and i think if they try to do that against dallas this year in those two dallas matchups they're going to crush them in their own game like they did on monday night football last year um and that wasn't even you know that was with betcher who wasn't even using these type of fronts so I'm I'm okay with it overall, but I think sometimes you got to know the opponent. The down in the distance, and here it led to an easy third and two that you know helped them continue to move the ball on this drive.
2: I am not going to feel good if they come out against the 49ers in similar fronts in
1: as frequently as they did because yep. the Giants did
2: come out in it wasn't the majority of the time by any means, but they had two three six two four five one four six zero down linemen and a lot of them were in these second and long kind of situations trying to bait the run, but you can easily pick up seven eight nine yards on these kind of runs and let them spring to the second level let some of these big interior offensive linemen locate even good linebackers like Blake Martinez in space it's difficult for somebody much smaller to kind of get off those blocks if these linemen are uncovered when you're uncovered linemen with no defensive linemen over the top of you you basically get a free release if there's no one to the side of you you could chip but you basically get a free release up to the second level that's not something you necessarily want too often so I really hope against a run dominant team like the San Francisco 49ers that does not happen and this was more of a game plan thing that they something that they felt they saw on tape where they're in second and long that they can really try to bait a run.
1: Yep but Giants get out of it and Giants finally get the ball back for their third possession again still down two scores still down 10 nothing. there was a the big Barkley run um, and then finally the possession kind of bogs down when uh, Daniel Jones throws the interception tempted at Evan Ingram but well you know we had our knocks for jones on our quick reaction because we thought he had a worse first half then i mean we thought he had a you know kind of negative first half and then bounce back the more when i watched the L 22 i had less concerns about jones in the first half like this is a perfect example by the way of a play where i have less concerns ingram just slips here like mm-hmm. it's not a it, it's not a guaranteed solution there on third down ingram has to catch the ball off the it's a pivot route correct
2: Yes, that's what I feel like it was mirrored pivot routes.
1: Yes. On on those plays. So Ingram still has to make a play post catch, but as you'll see throughout the game, especially in the second half, Ingram made a lot of these plays off these routes post catch. He made two really big post catch plays where he caught the ball short of the sticks and then after the catch showed off that yak ability to pick up first down. So if this play goes a little different and Ingram doesn't slip. Instead of an interception, which kills Jones, it looks horrible on the stat sheet, people talk about it on on Twitter, it goes into the narrative, and it hurts the Giants from a driver's standpoint because they were moving the ball into position to kick a field goal, or potentially more, it gives them a whole new set of downs and everything flips. So, I don't know, Nick, the more I look at this... I have less concerns here with Jones, and I just think it's kind of bad luck with Ingram slipping. It's definitely bad luck, especially because the person that was covering, the defender that was covering
2: Ingram, was kind of anticipating just like a quick button hook to the inside. So he starts playing towards that inside shoulder of Evan Ingram, and then Evan Ingram slips, and then he attacks the outside shoulder once he kind of reads Jones' eyes. But if that was a pivot route, which I believe it was, then Ingram sticks that inside leg into the ground, The defender comes down, and then he explodes back outside with the momentum of the defender already going kind of inside. And then all Ingram has is space, and I believe there was a safety or a cornerback who was kind of deep. But it would have been a big gain for the Giants, so it's kind of just crap luck on that part.
1: It is, and we can get to this more if we want to later, but Ingram took a lot of heat from fans after his first game. We also gave him some crap. Admittedly, he did not. I thought he had one of his worst games in the Giants. I liked Ingram in this game. I thought he played really well, but he made two huge plays that gave the Giants a chance to win this game after the catch and I thought he did a much better job of getting open I thought even their plays will go over on that final drive where Jones if he looked his way a little bit sooner could have potentially got himself in a position to have a better chance to win because Ingram was open early in a couple routes where it just and goes away one time Jones weighed in and threw them so I, I liked what I saw bounce back week from Ingram to me for sure I want to know one other thing since we're just talking about yeah. tight ends that I really like to see Caden Smith being used as a fullback yep good point and that's where we first saw it on that third possession where he comes back and he's lined up in the backfield there
2: that's an adjustment by Jason Garrett right there and it actually really worked it was one of the plays that sprung the long Barkley run where Barkley ended up hurting his elbow before he ends up tearing the ACL unfortunately but and on that specific play Kevin Zeitler had one hell of a freaking block too so that was Zeitler had a much better game in week two as well but I, I really like this idea because it does give you uh, just a much different look, and I don't believe the Bears were anticipating that. I don't think they thought that Caden Smith was going to be used in that way. And just from the limited sample size of Smith being used that way, he actually did a pretty damn good
1: job. Yeah. And again, we were talking last week. How are they going to get Caden Smith on the field? He's a guy they have to get on the field, and this was one way to do it. You know, line him up there as a fullback. There were also a lot of plays where they used him and uh, on the edge of the line with Ingram, then they motion him back at the last second, which I like. They did a lot of nice play action out of that, and we'll get to that later because i do want to talk to you about that because i really do feel like jones looked his best when the giants were in play action i know you can't use play action all the time especially when you know it's you can't you can't overuse it in a game where you're not running the ball that well so i think garrett did pick and choose the right spots to use it but i think there's still a lot to jones's game that i saw on his tape at duke With regards to those kind of deep curls those deep ends those deep comeback routes that can be worked off of play action and i liked how they did that and i thought smith was on the field for a few of those and did a good job there too so we'll see what happens there but the end is obviously the interception ingram slips and the bears get the ball back now again up 10 nothing um and the giants here i thought this was one, one play that stood out to me that i thought was well, there are two plays. There was one good and there was one bad. There was the second and 10 play where 52s on the field, Devontae Downs. And, you know, the sad thing is when me and Nick watched this guy, we, this was one of the first players we talked about from the negative standpoint of the film. We just are really struggling to see how this guy made the roster over Ryan um, it It's tough. He didn't get that many snaps, but the job he did on this one, like I know it's a tough play for him here, Nick. You can tell me if i'm being overly harsh here but i thought he did a terrible job here filling and i thought he was the one who has to make the player this is cordell Cordell patterson you know he this is not a traditional running back and he kind of gives him a little bit of a move a little bit of a dead leg i guess you can call i don't know but downs has to make the play here and and if downs makes a play here by the way if he's a normal inside backer makes a play here it's a zero yard gain or a negative gain it looks like instead it turns into a first down run for Cordell, a 10 yard run so what do you think on this one
2: It's 100% on Devontae Downs. I mean, there was an alley that was gigantic, so I guess you could say there's space for Patterson to wiggle, but it doesn't even matter. Downs is coming downhill, and Patterson hits him with, like you said, it was like a stanky leg, and then Downs stops in his tracks and just does not make the tackle, and then picks up like another six yards. Blake Martinez has to come off a block and make the tackle, and there was another play in this game where Downs got tossed to the ground. I think it was in the second half. It might have been the last snap that Downs ended up playing, to be honest. I'm sure Patrick Graham is realizing this guy's somewhat of a Liability out there. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a player to target in the rushing attack, and these teams know that they're going to block bleak Martinez every every chance that they get. And Devontae Downs is out here; he's on the hash comes downhill to try to tackle Cordero Patterson in space does not work gets tossed in another play and I believe Blake Martinez had to make the tackle on that play it's like Blake Martinez has to really overcompensate for having a weak linebacker next to him yeah I'm really struggling really struggling Dan to wrap yeah. my head around why the Giants cut Connolly in favor of Devontae Downs.
1: I don't know either but I know one thing and you and the one thing that's good to me is you can add inside linebacker to the list of needs this offseason because and there's a lot of needs this is a roster still in that mode where they still have needs it's not a quick fixer this is another one they need they even if they're going to play a lot of looks at that have peppers as kind of that second linebacker if you want to call them there's going to be enough situations where they're going to need a second inside guy and that that's not going to make a play like downs made here that's not going to kill you like downs killed you here
2: on this play too, on the on the specific play we're talking about, so if anybody who has game pass, it's second and ten with twelve forty three in the second quarter. The A gaps, there's no one in the A gap, right? And you have a defensive lineman who's a three technique to the weak side, the center blocks down on that defensive lineman and doesn't even climb up to Devontae Downs. Yeah. Devonte Downs is totally unblocked here.
1: Completely unblocked. And has a
2: perfect path at Cordero Patterson and just misses. And that's just, it's just not good fellas
1: but this play this drive actually also featured on the next two plays is actually two of my favorite raps from unknown guys that i want to shout out and that's austin johnson on four, first and ten who makes just an incredible individual play in my opinion to stop just to, to get to get over the block and stop this for a, a one-yard game because if not if he doesn't get over this there is a massive hole for the cutback here for 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 david montgomery this could be This could be a lot of yards for Montgomery. Yeah, I mean,
2: Johnson, the the center tries to cut him at the knees. And Johnson, to his credit, is able to have the wits about him to get back up. I mean, that's hard to do when you're that big and make that tackle. It looks like maybe B.J. Hill would have got David Montgomery in pursuit, but that's still questionable. That could have been like a 10-yard gain and we would have put some of these defensive backs in a really – or a really hard situation, maybe, to make a tackle in space against someone like David Montgomery, but that never had to happen because homeboy Johnson just cut him at the knees and then. Good old Montgomery ends up getting hurt on the play.
1: Yeah, but and here we are, by the way. And this is again now they're in the second and nine here. but Originally in a first and ten situation where that could have been worse. We're at midfield. It's ten nothing Bears with twelve minutes in the second quarter. This was a key drive for the Giants because if they let this first play go to Montgomery and then they roll into this to 13, 17 nothing and kill out of the clock, this game's going to get out of hand fast. It's going to get ugly fast. So. These were one individual great play by Austin Johnson, a guy who's not a starter, and then the next play, the very next play, was another really good individual play by my old friend, our old friend of the show, a guy who we want to get more snaps. He's starting to get a little more in this defense, at least more love than he got from James Fetcher, and that's B.J. Hill. There was good coverage here, of course, but B.J. Hill has a really awesome individual rep to destroy Cody Whitehair here and get the sack on Mitchell Drabisky. Oh, yeah. BJ Hill, like we talk about, it's like, hey, we said this a lot last year. It's like, hey, you're not getting that many
2: reps. Make plays when you're out there. And he made two big plays in 20. reps because he got 20 snaps in this game and on this specific play a second and nine Mitch Trubisky drops back to pass he's a three technique and he attacks Cody Whitehair square on and then he lifts his inside arm up in the air to just get his equilibrium off balance attacks the half man and then just wraps up Mitch Trubisky and sack him that's a difficult play to make especially coming from a three technique position with two other linemen kind of in front of you luckily they went to block other assignments Whitehair the center was the one who had to end up blocking uh bj hill on this play but that was a really good effort
1: by him great play by hill there i thought and then obviously really nice adjustment on the third and long to not let that stupid quick screen to patterson beat you again the giants were getting beat with those quick screens early nice adjustment there and that gives the giants a shot here now only down 10 nothing they take the ball back with the fourth uh with their fourth possession and this is where i'm going to run into one of my issues with joe judge um in in this specific game I don't know if you can say it came back to haunt the giants, but in a game that ends seventeen thirteen, it might you can maybe say it is. But let's start with um a couple a couple uh interesting plays that i thought from this drive it starts with the first and 10 and this is an example of what i kind of mentioned before nick and i want to get your take on it i do love what i see jones here off the play action uh pass off the the deep action pass i thought he had a great clock here in the pocket there's nothing there there's only these two routes so he checks down hits lewis on the crosser and picks up 11 yards there's this is an example here and it kind of i felt like the whole game nick it's interesting i wonder what your take is on this These the two the the deep play action two man routes for Jones, I thought he was more comfortable when it was a little bit simplified there, which is the two man routes and then kind of the back. I really thought he almost played his best ball there out of the out of that, and this was an example of it.
2: I think Chicago's defense, and it was an adjustment that Jason Garrett made definitely in the second half, was more susceptible in the intermediate to deep middle of the field. So you're talking about deep Digs deep post curls and routes like that. And a lot of these kind of routes that were built into the play action game where the linebackers kind of get sucked up a little bit and they play a lot of zone coverage, then there's kind of a void between the safety and the linebackers. And it kind of opened up a lot for these deep digs. And if you watch the game, there's in the second half, there's a lot of plays where Jones is targeting that intermediate, middle kind of right inside of the numbers around that kind of area of the field and the Giants had a lot of success moving the football and when you talk about Chicago's defense I mean they were super aggressive early on in this game shooting gaps incredibly hard Garrett dialed up a nice play action actually in the beginning of the second quarter and the Giants had Smith in the backfield again from a tight formation and the linebackers executed their run fits when on this play action and they just shot the gaps expecting a run and it just left the middle of the field wide open against this heavier personnel package they didn't expect to pass and that led to Slayton I think it was isolated on a safety with no underneath help and the end result was a first down pass on a deep curl to Slayton and the Bears, after that, stopped, uh, stopped shooting the gaps as much. They had to respect the pass, and it also kind of was compounded by the fact that Saquon Barkley wasn't there. But on the first play, after Saquon Barkley's injury, with Deion Lewis, they were still shooting that gap, those gaps so aggressively. And it just goes to show you, I guess, the effect of someone like Saquon Barkley. It's the same stuff the Steelers were doing. It's the same stuff the Jets were doing last year with Greg Williams. He's another defensive coordinator who's incredibly aggressive with shooting uh, the gaps and executing his run fits and things of that nature. So... I feel Daniel Jones has been helped by Saquon Barkley's presence in the play action in the play action passing, but I, I hope it kind of continues. I, I'm interested to see how defenses are going to play the running attack without Saquon Barkley, if they're going to be as aggressive or if they will kind of respect the, the play action pass since the Giants kind of have had success in the first two games with it.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question, and I think you brought up an excellent point here. Sometimes this might go unnoticed, so I think it should be pointed out and Jason Garrett did an excellent job adjusting. I said I was a little uninspired with how he came out in his original game plan, but he did a good job adjusting to something so specific like you said, spots where you can find easy solutions in the passing game and these were deeper solutions these were intermediate routes that the Giants took advantage of based on what the Bears were showing good job by Garrett good adjustment do I still want to see more pre-snap motion like the Bears used to confuse the Giants slot yes he did a little bit better job with that sort of by moving the tight ends and flipping them to the other side he could still do a lot better job on that there was actually a play here on third and two where he kind of almost mimicked what The giant and we'll get to that in a second because there's still a really nice play I want to go over on a first and 10 before it, but where he almost mimicked what the Bears did to get the easy solution on third and two, but it just didn't work because Deion Lewis just couldn't make the individual play. Um, but I thought overall he did a good job adjusting in this game, and so if you ask me after two weeks where I'm at with Garrett, again, I like the game plan he had versus the Steelers, I thought it was the only chance Giants had to win. Like the second half adjustments there didn't love the game plan here like the second adjustments though so for me that's an overall plus right now for Garrett and that's not what I expected to say now let's go over another play a few plays later on this drive where I think a lot of what Daniel Jones does that excites me is he does things that he never had under Eli Manning these are small plays I talked about the flip to Deion Lewis earlier where he gets out of a sack and little things that show me improvements I think his mental clock is actually really speeding up in the second year. And this is a great example of it. It's first and 10. It's another under center fullback look. And then it's the play action where I love what Jones does here. But Andrew Thomas gets beats unbelievably quick here the minute jones hits his back foot off the play action thomas's beat in any other season that you've watched giants football from week two from 2019 all the way through 2004 this was an eight yard loss and a sack the minute jones hits his back foot the 50 52 is right there after destroying andrew thomas on this rep with an inside move and that's what we call an eight yard loss instead jones does a re makes a really good adjustment with his feet and with his arms first to kind of get himself in a position to then run and he turns this into an eight yard running play this is a 16 yard swing instead of putting them in second and 16 which is essentially a drive killer you very rarely can get a second 16s he puts them in a second and two and he gives them a chance to actually move with this drive unfortunately the giants bogged down which we'll go over in a second on a third down play. But I just want to talk about these little plays where Jones, his mental clock sped up because he saw the rush from Mack and got out. And just his athleticism gives them a chance here.
2: and it's gonna have to when when someone like Andrew Thomas he oversets against a player like Khalil Mack you have to respect the speed of a player like Khalil Mack obviously but Andrew Thomas clearly oversets here doesn't have any guard help because there's a three technique on Will Hernandez just gets hit with a quick club swim inside and Daniel Jones to his credit he you see him peering on the all 22 you see him look at Mack and just take off running and he's able to outrun Mack and pick up Seven yards on this play. That's a gigantic play. And again, not huge on the stat sheet. No one's really talking about it. It's a busted play from his left tackle. But that would have murdered this drive. That would have possibly hurt the quarterback. (laughs) When you really think about it. So, I mean, that's a great – definitely a great –
1: individual play by daniel jones it is but i want to go over something where it's not so great on the giants part and now because it's now a second and three at their own 47 right around midfield there's seven minutes left in the second quarter they're still down 10 nothing this is still a spot where you need to really be thinking about being aggressive in my opinion getting points on the board um and on this third so on the second the second down play is a busted play or handoff to the deon lose doesn't go anywhere on the third down they have a really similar look and play call on this third and two to what the Bears did on third and two to beat the Giants with David Montgomery the play we went over earlier and they run this play with this pitch first they motion the receiver back across the formation just like the Bears did and then they run this pitch to Deion Lewis only the difference is the Bears aren't in the same kind of light front the Giants were in here the Bears were set up here to have a good chance to stop the run. But even so, even with all that said, Deion Lewis gets himself in this one-on-one, but he just can't, he doesn't have the speed to get to the edge, or he doesn't trust his speed to get the edge, tries to cut it back, gets chopped down, and the Giants are then faced with a fourth and three. So before we go over the decision on fourth and three, which I have an issue with, and I wanna see where you stand at, let's first talk about why this play didn't work. So this
2: isn't necessarily on Deion Lewis, to be honest. So this is an interesting. We have talked a lot about the Giants under Jason Garrett implementing a more power gap scheme. And this is one of those kind of plays. And I felt like Garrett really used a lot of Will Hernandez pulling around to like the six hole and things of that nature. Kind of similar. Pat Shermer had a little bit of that, but they like to use backside guard pullers. They don't do as much G lead, which is frontside guard pullers, but they do a lot of backside guard pullers. But on this specific play, this third and two with 624 left in the second quarter, Golden Tate is tasked to block number 94, Robert Quinn, and just kind of get in his way. And Nick Gates, the center and Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, kick out into space to pick up the other defenders while the motion kind of removes number 24 from the action. So that pre-snap motion definitely did something. I do like the fact that Garrett is utilizing this. The issue with this play is Tate is a little bit late to kind of chip Robert Quinn, and Robert Quinn gets enough, enough upfield pressure to get in the way of Nick Gates' pulling. That just leaves one puller instead of two. If Robert Quinn doesn't do that, Nick Gates is able to get out in space and locate Roquan Smith. Andrew Thomas is already out in space on number 33, and he blocks him out of the play. So then you have the other wide receiver downfield, Darius Slayton, blocking Eddie Jackson. You have Nick Gates up on Roquan Smith, and you have Andrew Thomas blocking. So all you really have is Deion Lewis and a bunch of pursuit defenders. It would have been a really good play if tate was able to get to quinn that's a tough ask for a wide receiver to chip a end man on the line of scrimmage when he's an edge defender someone like robert quinn but it's a doable thing he doesn't see it coming but that's just a really good play by robert quinn not a lot of people say it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but he just eliminates nick gates from this play which allows roquan
1: smith to make the tackle in space you're right and i think but the difference for me is instead of where the giants had a very similar look against the bears on that third and two it's 94 and it's broke it's robert quinn who you have to make the block down on versus who the giants had there to make the block down on and it wasn't the same type you know this is a, a tougher guy to block down on for golden tate i'm not totally going to kill golden tate for not executing this block against robert quinn but the giants didn't really have anyone on the field to put to pose that threat in my opinion on that pitch to david montgomery so to me it's just the difference of kind of how they approached it how the bears defense approached this play um versus how the giants did but you're right if Colton Tate can make that play it's actually a doable play if Gates can get out there on Rokon Smith
2: or if Robert Quinn just hesitates and kind of reads the play a little bit yeah maybe he thinks it's a jet sweep to the other side maybe he just plays it patient but instead he penetrates upfield hard now some defensive players might not do that in that situation right. they might flow laterally and try to take the angle off of Deion Lewis who's flowing outside and over the top of these blockers and if the and if Quinn made that decision, he would have ran into Tate. Gates would not have been impeded, and then the play would have probably worked out. But Quinn made the decision that he made, and the play—the end result was not good for the Giants.
1: Yeah, the end result is from second and three, moving the football around the midpoint at second and three after that awesome scramble by Jones to get them out of the second 16, put them in the second and three, Giants are now in a fourth and three. They've somehow moved zero yards and two downs. They're down 10 nothing. Time is running out. There's only six left in the first half. It in my mind is not a time to punt the ball here. I understand the idea. You trust your defense. They've played decently well to this point to some extent. But I just I just never will get on board with coaching this way. They're have a fourth and three situation. I think you need to trust your offense to have a solution around midfield from your own forty seven, especially when you're down ten nothing. You need momentum boost, but the Giants do punt. Where do you stand on this decision? I'm actually fine with the decision you just had a play
2: that was busted up a play that theoretically should have worked you tried running the football before on the second and three that did not work at all and the last pass play that you did was a busted play by andrew thomas where uh daniel jones had to flow out of the pocket and you're still on your side of the field so i'm actually fine with the punt play the play the field position game hopefully your defense comes up with a stop now if this was a little bit later in the game and it was still the same circumstances
1: i would be on board with you but i do think i disagree with you slightly on that it's interesting so for me with given the time of the game with seven minutes left in the in the in the second quarter and because you know you're working against the second quarter clock the minute it hits halftime there's no more possessions It, it goes to whoever gets ball at half the downside which is what ends up playing out is you punt the ball and you never get to see the ball again and the other team puts more points on the board which is eventually what ends up happening here once the Giants punt the ball back. I just can't get on board with this style of coaching. I never will. I thought, thought Shermer actually did a great job of, of being really aggressive here. And he was overall very successful in converting these. I know it hadn't worked, but when you're in second and three, you can't come out of that with a punt, in my opinion, when you're around midfield. If you get to that fourth and three position, there's so many pass plays that so many just ways to beat beat it in the passing game. I know what you're saying where the passing game wasn't working, but really, we saw the play where Mac just complete, completely beat Thomas. You gotta yeah. trust your tackle to not get beat again, I don't think. Um, and again, I have my own issues with the third and second down play to get them into this fourth and short situation where they shouldn't have been in the first place, but the downside to this is what eventually plays out here it's also the downside later in the game when they kick the field goal instead of trying to get into position to score a touchdown because they end up having to go the full field to score a touchdown which again gets them the win down 17 13 but it doesn't really do too much more from them than then uh, you know taking another chance at touchdown. so i don't know it's just a style of coaching and I, I don't know about it
2: it's definitely a style i mean i, yeah. I know what you're saying i mean it, it makes sense what you're saying it's just kind of what you choose to do and i think the yeah. context of the game really would have to come in to the uh, equation as well but i'm guessing anthony lynn's not your coach no no, no. I, <laughs> I
1: the anthony lynn's decision to punt the ball on four, i think Oof. it was fourth and two in that overtime and give the ball back to mahomes like there was even a chance in hell they were going to stop mahomes from driving them into field goal range to win the game that was a disaster just an absolute disaster even even sadder though is that Anthony Lynn said he's going to go back to Tyrod Taylor if he's healthy after Justin Herbert came out and threw for 300 yards against a really good Chiefs defense or 320 I think it was with a rushing TD being told on literally a minute notice that he was going to start with zero reps in 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 practice that was that's some wild stuff but Anthony Lynn yikes there
2: yeah, and they have Carolina at home. Talk about a smash defensive matchup for your rookie.
1: For your rookie. but, your rookie, but well, okay. Let's go back into the Giants. Back to the Giants because the next possession, this is the one where they have just two killer plays here that the Bears eventually drive down and score 70 nothing. We talk about how close this game was and how many opportunities was in a game where the Giants, again, dominated the second half, came back and almost won the game. If they don't give up this last touchdown, again, this is kind of goes back to my fourth and three thing. If they can keep this drive going, burn more clock and get into field goal range and make it 10-3, maybe the Bears don't have enough time there. Maybe the Bears can't, you know, have to run a different kind of offense. And then maybe the half ends at 10 or 13-3 instead of 17-0. But they do have two killer drives here. The first one is the third and seven they get into early. This one confused me because the Giants only rushed three players here on a third and seven, which I guess I'm okay with, but... Mitch gets rid of the ball here in 2.5 seconds, and despite the fact that they only rush three, which if your quarterback, if you're, if you're, if you're countering a three-man rush, or I'm sorry, if the offense is countering a three-man rush. With a quick two and a half, a quick drop two and a half second, get the ball in two and a second pass play, it should be a win for your defense because you don't need the pass rush then, and you should be benefit. You should benefit from having so many guys in coverage, but instead, it just feels like Mitch finds this void. Uh, Thirty doesn't get over there quick enough, and it's just a complete easy completion for a first down. It's a beautiful throw by Mitch Trubisky. It really is. It's high and inside, and it's in between two defenders.
2: I don't really want to knock Darnay Holmes because he's seeing through the the offense he sees Tariq Cohen releasing out even though mm-hmm. Blake Martinez was there but he's kind of anticipating uh Tariq Cohen kind of coming into his zone but there is a little bit of a spatial awareness thing where I feel like Darnay Holmes could have done a better job yeah. with Javon Wims yeah he could get and over he there looks like. he could have he could have flowed over towards him and just kind of have the awareness of where Javon Wims route was really going but instead, Wims does a really good job just finding the void right in between the three defenders who form a triangle. Yeah.
1: So There's so many guys yeah. in coverage here. It's amazing that this worked. a yeah, 2 high, just like a cover two, protect the sticks. But and this Wims, is such a big play because if yeah. they if they stop this play, it's a really long field goal attempt for the Bears. And later in the game, the Bears and the Giants, by the way, because Gnome went one too right before the half, missed a field goal attempt at this range. It's in the 50-yard range it would be. Um, and it was a tough kicking day out there. 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 was more wind than people thought. It wasn't the nicest of days in Chicago. It wasn't a nasty day but it wasn't a nicest of days. So it's a game-changing play there because the drive continues and then again they finally find themselves in this eventual third and seven. Again good job of the defense to create these third and sevens but these are two backbreakers. Um, and this is the one where the Giants really have only one down lineman on the play um, and only three rush again. It's another third and long where they drop everyone in coverage and Mitch is just bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around back there. Finally resets after moving to the right and just Kind of puts a ball up there, and it eventually Valentine gets lost in coverage, and it's a, a really game-changing touchdown here for for Mooney. Yeah, and Kenner really blamed
2: Valentine because Mitch had so
1: much time on this
2: play, and there was actually no down lineman. If yeah, there was no down lineman on this play. It was Blake Martinez, O'Shane zimenez Nate Ebner, and Lorenzo Carter who ends up who end up rushing. Trubisky. Trubisky has all the time in the world. He loses his mind like three times in the pocket, drops mm-hmm. to the ground, ties his shoes, and then he throws the ball yeah. to Mooney. So these these coverage defenders are kind of screwed, to be honest. So I don't really want to knock Corey Ballantyne too much, but you just need to generate a pass rush there. I, I, I like the idea of being creative on these passing down situations when The Bears obviously will not run the football because there's no running back, even though you still have Mitch back there, who's somewhat of an athlete or who is an athlete, I should say. But I think you do need to have someone like Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence or someone like that who can still command double teams and help create some sort of pressure because rushing Nate Ebner and... And these other three, it, it's not their – well, I mean, you could say O'Shane and Lorenzo Carter, their primary skill set. But they were just gobbled up by this offensive line. And it, this wasn't the only play that Patrick Graham tried this. I think he did it uh, three different times in this game. Two of them definitely did not end well. I
1: think the other yeah. one was a fine ending. but it, So it's definitely something to evaluate going forward. Yeah, we thought we would see more – pressure from Graham uh this season and still yeah. may come yeah but it hasn't really shown its head in this game for sure it wasn't there they do, you know, did a lot more three-man pressure than I thought anyway the the half ends after the Giants make a pretty good attempt to try to get into field goal range but really come up short from a time standpoint and have to attempt a long field goal that 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 misses wide left um but this was a long one I don't put this one on Gano at all um and then finally in the second half it I think it's a new Giants team I really do they they came out um they came out strong with a with a pay, with a with a deep curl to to Slayton off the play action again. The play action was a friend for Daniel Jones and the Giants passing game all day, and it should continue to be. And they really need to work it. Continue to work it. Um, but eventually third and six comes up, and they take a key sack here. Well, who's to blame on this key third and six sack in the first possession of the second half? Yeah, that was a stunt
2: where it was Hakeem Hicks and I think it was Roy Robertson Harris where the center, uh, Nick Gates, who played much better in this game. Nick Gates was a lot better than he was in week one. So I'm really happy to say that, but he was in control of the penetrator who picks Will Hernandez. And then there's a transition, but the transition kind of goes sloppy. And really, it's just a really nice play by Hicks because once Gates transitions the stunt to Hernandez, Hicks kind of just pushes all of his weight off of his outside foot and is able to split the transition so it was just kind of a sloppy transition i guess you could say between the two hernandez never really establishes himself to the inside part of hicks so hicks just pushes right through the inside shoulder of Hernandez and gets to Daniel Jones. But it was a nice stunt by two very powerful men. And that's another player, Roy Robertson-Harris, for the Chicago Bears. Not a household name, but he's a damn
1: good football player, man. Yeah, you you mentioned his name a lot. We went over just your thoughts from the All-22. He had a couple really, really standout plays. A good player for the Bears. Um, So anyway, there's the sack. Then the Bears come out, and this is kind of where the momentum flips because it's 17 nothing Bears there. This game get really ugly, really fast. But on a second and ten, James Bradbury, man, what a game James Bradbury had. I guess I would say that this is actually probably a bet. Like for most NFL defensive backs, Allen Robinson is not the player you want to have to match up against. But this might be the perfect matchup for a guy like Bradbury because speed will probably beat Bradbury, but he can match up with guys like alan robinson who are actually about his size and he made an incredible play to tip this ball up in the air and then the interception by julian love this flipped the entire game for the giants i thought which is interesting because we heard a
2: lot about bradbury in the nfc south and now he had to go up against the really good receivers of michael thomas and mike evans both bigger receivers who aren't speed and he would do a solid job against them alan robinson is not quite the size of those players but he's of a similar kind of not a speedy type of wide receiver more possession more really good in the contested catch situation and damn bradbury did a really good job eliminating him throughout this game there were two plays that i saw where bradbury was kind of beat but Mitchell Trubisky did not see it. He either stumbled on one of them. I think one of them was the third quarter with 6-12 left. Bradbury, well, that's not actually, actually different. That was, I think, zone coverage, but Bradbury anticipated the number two's quick hitch, so he kind of left his area, and that left a, a a void near the sidelines where I think it was Javon Wims just kind of caught a quick sideline pass. I think it was on a sh- third and short, but there was another one where Allen Robinson ended up beating James Bradbury because Bradbury committed inside. His, his hips were angled inside and then Robinson went back outside but Mitch just never saw it and if he did that could have been a really big game for the Bears but other than those two plays out of the entire game Bradbury was just phenomenal in coverage aggressive at the fuck, aggressive at the point of attack yeah. almost cursed there aggressive at the catch point just punching the ball really really physical I mean that's, that's a
1: Looks like an A-plus signing right now. Yeah, I mean, he's better than I could have been even anticipated. And that leads us to the Giants' seventh possession of the game. This one was the key one for me. This is where you make the momentum-swinging interception, giving yourself a chance to not only compete in this game where you're down 17 nothing but have a chance to take momentum fully but I think this was a wasted opportunity for the Giants I want to start with the first play which was an interesting play call from Garrett which I expected to work it's a play action throwback screen to Caden Smith if you look at it there are five maybe six is it six there's five Giants linemen out in front of Caden Smith here but the play doesn't work Smith. by the time Smith catches the ball there's a, there's a hanging Bears defender who beats his way through the traffic and makes the tackle for a loss of 4 why didn't this play work? because to me it looked like this could have been a walk-in touchdown if it's executed just a little bit better it's not even necessarily execution sometimes you just need to tip your cap to the defense
2: and Bilal Nichols does a really good job here he releases outside Will Hernandez follows him outside and Will Hernandez is releasing on a screen and then Will Hernandez just kind of tosses him aside and runs away Bilal Nichols sees it all break down though Bilal Nichols does what the other defensive linemen and flow with Daniel Jones then this isn't Probably an easy touchdown because there's five linemen right. on the other side of the field where everybody thinks the and only two
1: Bears defenders behind them. <laughs> yeah,
2: and everybody thinks that the pass is going towards the right, but it's really a backside screen to Caden Smith. It's a really good play call, but just a better play by Bilal Nichols to really stick with
1: Caden Smith and not allow this to just go for six. But even after that, the Giants make a really good play to get themselves into a third and six here. And this was kind of a game-changing moment. We talk about how the Giants really could have won this game. We're optimistic because these plays can definitely go the other way. And if the Giants do put on seven here instead of three in this spot to go 17-7, I do think it ends up being the difference maker in them winning this game. They find an easy. Daniel Jones does a really good job in a muddy pocket of finding a solution where he's not even able to really throw from a completely balanced base. Doesn't matter, puts the ball on the spot and slayton just drops it hits him literally in stride right in his hands uh but there is a safety kind of coming up near him he's probably gonna have to take a decent hit when he to to secure this catch but he's past the sticks it's a first down everything looks great hits him right in stride in the hands and he just drops it yeah he took his eyes off the ball
2: he anticipated that he was going to catch the football and he heard the footsteps and that's something that young receivers do it's something that old receivers do because no one likes taking hits because it's pretty damn painful but that that's a huge play right there i mean it leads to a field goal but the giants could have went down and scored here and it would have been a totally different ball game
1: yeah they would have had first intended about the 13 um, and just the difference here with a touchdown versus a field goal just it's it's massive but Bears get the ball back and I really want to talk about two things I liked on the next possession is the Bears seven possession 17-3 Bears with about what eight minutes left at this point nine minutes left in the in the third quarter first it's Logan Ryan making a super alert play on the first down to knock the ball loose get a fumble here Obviously, the Bears recover it. The Giants haven't had much fumble luck to begin this season. To be honest, they didn't get the fumble on Juju, where Bradbury made a really good play that could have changed the game after the interception. They didn't get any of the fumbles that jo- the, the, I'm sorry, the fumble Jones made this week. They didn't get lucky and had a lineman fall. You see that all the time. The luck just hasn't been there. But it was a really alert play by by Logan Ryan here. The minute he caught the ball to really go for the football. I know that was something that they were kind of taught over there in Tennessee. Something they got better at there. It's not something the Giants We've heard Giants defensive back coach stress, but I'm happy they have a veteran player who's willing to do this because this could come up different. The Giants could have the ball and then they have first and ten on the Bears, 36 down seventeen-three. once again flipping the possession immediately with the turnover and it's, an, it's a good heads-up play. That's an excellent heads-up play and Logan Ryan seems like he really fits here. I'm, I'm really happy that he's
2: here, but it's Darnell Mooney he's got to learn man welcome to the NFL hold on to that damn football kid
1: don't put it out there like that that was really risky play the Bears got away with there and I like what the Giants did here to get the ball back really quick on third and six they finally blitz they blitzed on third and six they didn't send three rushers they sent an extra rusher and Holmes had really good coverage on this out route and the Bears missed the play and Punt the ball right back to the Giants here. Yeah, the
2: Giants, man, under Patrick Graham, we've talked a lot about how they're going to blitz. They just did not—they have not really shown a lot of that through the first two weeks. Holmes really does a good job staying in the hip of Anthony Miller And the pass is a little bit outside. I think maybe a really good throw, which it would have been difficult with the pressure in his face. Right, I think he was rushed. Yeah, I believe that it might have been a completion on this specific play. There are
1: benefits to blitzing. This is one of them. You rush the the passer.
2: It does hit him, and it it does hit— anthony miller in his hands it's a tough catch for miller yeah it's tough uh, though. miller who
1: talk about a rough game drop
2: the touchdown drops this third down yeah, This one i call less of a drop i thought the coverage was pretty good i think the coverage is okay but i still think
1: you, you yeah, need to catch that you football. could make that if you're a bit yeah for sure if you're not anthony miller <laughs> anthony miller we're in a rough game we're crushing anthony miller here the giants get the ball back after just an excellent pump by the bears and they got to go 95 yards for a touchdown down 17-3 with what three minutes left at this point four or sorry four minutes left in the third quarter this is a bad spot this is where the game could be over if the giants don't get points on this drive and and to even ask them to get points on this drive with a short to go 95 yards to get points, it's tough. They're not in a good spot, and they do it. They lead a 95-yard touchdown drive that reminded me a lot of that Steelers drive, except it ended in a touchdown, where the Steelers drive ended in that weird rollout play call on second and three that Jones threw the interception on. But this time, they really it really felt like okay, this is the sign of Giants could win this game. They made this 95-yard drive, and they needed to. And the first one I want to talk about here. Was the third and three play by Daniel Jones here? This is the type of individual play. You have to tip your hat off to Daniel. Hap, sorry, tip your hat off to Daniel Jones. You have to recognize that this is an incredible play by Jones. You have to recognize that not all rookie quarterbacks, not all second year, third year quarterbacks, are making these plays. The pressure gets there. He's gonna get sacked. The drive is gonna be dead. And he has the wherewithal, while being taken down, to flip the ball to his right to Dion Lewis, who makes a. Decent catch, but really it's an excellent job by Jones to get the ball there. This, this should always be caught. Um, catches the ball in space, has only a yard or two to go. Deion Lewis smartly goes vertical here and get, picks up the first down.
2: Yeah, it's just a really heady play by Daniel Jones. Has a little bit of pocket awareness, something that we criticized him in his rookie season. And here, I mean, they just really, the Bears did two stunts towards the outside. So basically, Nick Gates didn't have anybody to really block, but he makes a key block once the stunt is completed but right after the snap he's just sitting there waiting and waiting looking for work but that was the design for the bears attack the b gap so we're going to attack these b gaps and then once the stunt was completed khalil mack comes in and he's about to murder daniel jones but nick gates sees it coming and he picks up the block and that is a key block there by him and then as the other stunt on the other side of the line of scrimmage is coming jones ends up getting hit and that's when he flips the ball out so the protection ends up holding up good job by nick gates not to overreact or panic he just waits there patiently looks for the work his looking each way delivers the block that's really good by gates
1: man he really needed yeah. him and evan ingram were the two players that i was really watching and here. they had good games yeah. They had good bounce back games and this play specifically man i i keep coming back to it because it's such a big play if he takes that sack like most quarterbacks take there To me, this game's way over. They're punting from within their own ten-yard line, down 17-3, with time winding down, only a couple minutes in the third quarter. The Bears would have got the ball on a short field, in position to put it to 20-3 or 24-3, game over. And this play was so good that even Eli Manning this week, when he talked to a couple reporters about, you know, just the Giants, the, the Saquon Barkley, everything like that, pinpointed why he's really he he has high expectations for Jones moving forward. And he said this, he pinpointed this exact play that Jones made and he also talked about a play that happened later on this drive it was a first and 10 where jones did a really good job really he was coming out of empty and there was again immediate pressure by 50 again versus andrew thomas again who did not have a great game um, Nope, nope he did not and number 50 on the bears who i'm blanking on who, who that is but um 50 had a really nice play and jones just sees it adjusts rolls to his right on this first and 10 picks up 12 yards with his legs again this is just an example of old deal old giants and a lot of quarterbacks that are just pocket guys you're going to take the sack here you're going to lose six yards maybe seven and now you're in second second and 17 jones instead turns this into a plus 12 it's a 19 yard swing in my mind um and just this was a this was the drive for daniel jones in my opinion um he really made a lot of good plays there was a play action shot to tate that was really nice and just overall i thought he did an excellent job So eventually the drive ends with a fourth and goal touchdown with Dion Lewis. The Giants are able to put seven points on the board. And the Bears get the ball back. And again, it's just another game-changing play here by Bradbury on the interception where the Bears are faced with a third and long. Joe Judge actually broke this down in the judge report. Um, Mitchell Brisky has three receivers on one side. He knows he has the one-on-one on the backside with Robinson. You're really asking a lot of your corner here, Bradbury. But Bradbury does an excellent job here playing the football, ripping it out, and making an interception in a contested catch situation. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, there's no help. There's no safety help here
2: the Bradbury's alone there's the receiver split is past the divider line and a cover one safety and obviously the safety is paying more attention to the three receivers especially since one of those receivers is probably going to run some sort of horizontal deep cross so that literally leaves you one-on-one against Allen Robinson one of the better 50-50 catch ball receivers in the NFL so it's just an excellent individual effort Allen Robinson releases off the line of scrimmage uses a stutter step. Patience, just patience by James Bradbury doesn't fool doesn't commit his hips one way, and then just rides Robinson's inside hip and just sticks with Robinson the entire time. And the throw it's high. It's not a terrible throw. I think it could have been better, but it's not a terrible throw. It's a little underthrown. Al Robinson tries to jump up and make an acrobatic catch. And kudos just straight kudos to James Bradbury to have the wherewithal to see what robinson's doing right in front of him and then rip the ball away because robin or because james bradbury doesn't really get his head necessarily around he just attacks through the receiver uses physicality gets his hands on the ball and rips it out of Allen robinson's hands that's really really impressive stuff
1: yep eventually though the giants get the ball back obviously here around their own 35 drive down but have to settle for a field goal here i have a little bit of an issue with this i know when you're in the fourth and ten you're very limited so i almost think from the outset when you're in when you're once you're down in the red zone there and there's only seven and a half minutes left in the game you're down seven instead of three or instead of you know four where you can kick two field goals to win the game you need to be thinking about getting yourself into fourth and manageable manageable situations rather than you know settling for a field goal here because again when you kick that field goal and there's 736 left and you're down seven, you're not doing much to change the outcome of the game. Yes, eventually if the Giants had turned that final drive they had into a touchdown, they win instead of tie, but they still have to go the entire field there instead of, you know, you take the chance by going for the touchdown. Yes, if you miss, you're going to still be down 1710. You're going to be down 10 points. Now instead, if you finally, if you have that final drive you're going to only tie the game but at the same time you're also going to give the bears a tough long field to work with because you're turning the ball over deep into their territory and instead you just have four chance instead of three to kind of keep the chains moving and to get into the end zone for me i just the way i would coach here would be a lot more aggressive i would be putting myself in the chance and fourth and manageable here um because i my mindset would be here three is a loss here i would rather turn the ball over and have one more chance at seven or at least coach to get seven than to get that three points three points to me does very little i
2: understand where you're coming from but i'm fine with the three points the last three plays were incomplete passes the bears played these well and then the one uh pass to damian ratley was just it looked like a drop the ball was a little bit inside because jones was hesitant or i don't want to say hesitant but jones saw the middle linebacker who was also there so he tried putting it on the back shoulder in the middle of the field on the deep dig to ratley and ratley doesn't come away with it but if jones leads ratley there's probably going to end up being an interception by that actually it was the free safety who dropped down into a robber role so ratley needs to come down with that i know it's a tough catch but he doesn't and that leads to that fourth and ten and that's why i'm personally fine with taking this three and i know there's 751 left relying on your defense and seeing how it goes uh from there
1: because three straight plays of incompletions is not good and you have no momentum at that point yep Anyway, they settle for three, and that's when the Bears kind of have that final drive where it looks like the Giants are gas. Looks like the Giants are, you know, they give up a first and twenty-five run for twenty-four yards, which is crazy stuff. Is there anything on that drive specifically you want to go over? Is it kind of as advertised? It's more or less as advertised. This is the one drive
2: where I look at it and I'm like, this Giants defense was tired. They were trying to run different fronts out there. They ran two down linemen. They ran the bear or the tight, I guess you could say, kind of front. But they were just losing at the point of attack. Dalvin Tomlinson was kind of getting owned a little bit. B.J. Hill and Austin Johnson, I want to say, were out there. And Dexter Lawrence was on the bench for the first half of the drive. And then once they put Dex in there with Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson, it was a little bit better. But they were just kind of getting dominated at the point of attack by the Bears. And that's not something that you really necessarily want, but that's kind of what it looked like. And it's something that you're not used to seeing from some of these
1: Giants defenders. Yeah, no doubt. Eventually though, they did find a way to force the Bears into after a really unlucky great fourth oh down gosh. play where Blake Martinez made an excellent play on the ball to to basically break the pass up, but a lineman caught it. They still found a way to get the Bears into a field goal situation that they missed. And then they obviously the Giants drove down. I don't think there's anything too notable about the final drive except for one thing, and I want to get your take on this the fourth and one play, right? So, this is the play where there's about so, first of all, I want to bring up one thing. The Giants had the ball to Chicago 40, was second and 10 with a minute 29. Two plays later, there was only 45 seconds left in the game. They had burned half of the clock where Jones first took off to try to scramble. Instead of maybe throwing the ball away or throwing the ball into the dirt low at a receiver's feet to not get intentional grounding, he got one yard on this scramble and it chewed off about twenty seconds of clock. Then third and nine, he goes underneath to Tate underneath to Tate for eight yards here. Another f- a bunch of seconds come off the clock. Now they have forty-five seconds left and they're in this fourth and one. So. Here's what happens on this fourth and one play. It's a really interesting play. They convert it for the first down, right? This is the play we talk about where they eventually get down to um, the ball snapped at 45 seconds. They eventually, you know, this is the play right before they throw the out to Deion Lewis, right? So they're moving the ball. They're getting a new set of downs. But on this play, and I noticed it, and I'm wondering what your take is here because it would have been super risky. Jones has Deion Lewis on a wheel route, and this is a touchdown. Lewis sees it. Lewis has his hands up. He has about two to three steps of separation the safety has already committed based on daniel jones that his eyes are looking for the eventual player he goes to to convert the third down if daniel jones flips his head back and hits the wheel route here this is fourth and one this is a touchdown most likely in my opinion it's it's going to take execution he has to make the throw it has to be good timing to a running back he hasn't practiced much with it's risky if you miss the throw and it's not easy to throw a wheel route the game's over But the end result is they have to rush the ball, they spike, they have this little amount of time left, so they throw the out, and then they have this eventual final play that really doesn't look like it ever has a chance because the Bears are basically playing at the the end zone and it's really hard to make. I honestly would have been fine. I know it sounds like Monday Morning Quarterback. I would have preferred, actually, Daniel Jones to take the shot on this wheel route to Lewis. You lose the game if it doesn't execute, but you win the game if you hit this play. It goes with
2: the quick passing game. I mean, Daniel Jones commits himself and basically telegraphs where he's going to throw the football towards the three receiver side. Yeah. I love the route concept, and there were a lot of man beating route concepts to the backside that Jason Garrett developed. There was one actually on the Caden Smith flat route where it was a nice throw. Caden Smith caught on the backside of that play. There was a man beater, similar a uh, two man route combination where if Jones put a good ball, it could have been a touchdown pass. But on this with quick with the quick game, dude, you're looking and you're firing and he already committed that way and if he didn't if he did look the other way initially the safety would have covered that one specific route so it's a lot for i don't think you can look
1: that way initially but i think i wonder if the giants look back on the tape and they look back on this play and they say if you commit like that and you 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 do exactly what you did by looking to the left that entire time flip your head back because you have to have trust that this wheel route is going to be there
2: it's funny too because on this three-man route combination that's a man pick play where Darius Slayton, the receiver who ends up catching the ball, is supposed to be picking for Golden Tate. So Darius Slayton runs and sits, and then Golden Tate runs the flat route, but the Bears handle it really well with some kind of banjo call. So banjo coverage is when you're in stacks or bunch. Basically, it's like I go outside, or if the receiver goes outside, I'll cover him. If he goes inside, you do. And you can see it on the film. You see Tate from the number three wide receiver closest to the the tackle, run to the flat, Slayton just runs a quick little pick route, and then the two Bears defenders just transition off of each other. And Slayton's not the target there. Tate is. The play is specifically designed for Golden Tate. But Slayton ends up sitting and getting good position on the other defender since there was a transition off, and Jones fits a nice ball in there. But you're right. If Jones saw that play materialize and Slayton, say, was covered and he did flip his head, he would have had Deion Lewis because a safety from that from that far hash would have committed towards that other side already. He wouldn't have had time to flip his hips and get back all, to Deion yeah. Lewis. But I'm not going to knock Daniel Jones for that. Dude. This is I'm a not fourth knock one. Jones for yeah, that. Yeah. I
1: just think that if the Giants look back on that film, they see an opportunity the next time they're in that situation because the wheel route is... That's as open as a wheel route gets.
2: Dude, I, I mean, I love... This is the same stuff the Pittsburgh Steelers were doing against the Giants defense when they were in man coverage. Yep. So I love the fact that Jason Garrett, who I do have some criticisms of with this game plan. I think I, as a whole, I, I do love what he's done. There were a couple things, and I guess I can just get into it right now. Yeah, let's
1: wrap up there, because we're kind yeah. of through the game. We went through possession by possession. Now let's wrap up with general thoughts, um, adjustments, offensive game plan, wherever you want to go with this.
2: Yeah, so there were two plays, man. First, I'll, I'll go into the third quarter with 13 23 left it was a third and six three by one set and I don't think Jones has the ability to fully audible but in some of these situations I really feel like it's necessary for him too the Bears they were playing a two high right and they showed linebacker blitz to the three receiver side and that was also to the field so that means there's tons of space there so the Bears had two defenders basically out on the three receiver side with three receivers and the next closest Bears defender is a, a safety about 11 yards off the line of scrimmage And even if that linebacker to the field didn't blitz, Golden Tate has so much leverage to the outside that if you ran a bubble, it would have just been two blockers against two defenders in space. But instead the Giants run a deeper route concept and Jones gets sacked. But I have to ask, why don't the Giants just take what the defense is giving them here? It's six yards. Why not do a bubble screen to Tate, then you have the numbers to the field, you have space, you have blockers, there's no unaccounted defenders in the area. The Bears are just giving it away for a blitz. Audible to that bubble screen, throw hot, and let Tate operate in space with blockers. And then that same thing happened on a second and three with 343 left in the third. Giants had numbers to the field with the safety about 14 yards off the line of scrimmage. You need three yards, and you have the numbers to the field. So just freaking take those numbers. Say the end man on the line of scrimmage drops into coverage I feel like you still buy more time and you can go to the two-man route concept on the other side of the field. Just flip the script and you don't see it as much so far in this Jason Garrett offense. It's a lot more quick passing game rather than going through quick progressions. And I guess that does make sense theoretically. But I feel like the Bears were giving the Giants opportunities to take, but the Giants weren't adjusting to them and i don't like leaving easy yards on the field and i feel like easy yards in the nfl are incredibly rare but when you have numbers and what i mean by numbers if if anybody's not tracking is you have three receivers to one side and there's two defenders on those three receivers you run a bubble screen to the number three receiver the innermost receiver those other two receivers stalk block those other two defenders and then you have a receiver moving towards the sideline catching a bubble screen running into space with two blockers and the unaccounted defenders in pursuit are deep safety about 14 yards off and linebackers so you're at least picking up six yards on this play six seven yards but the giants didn't adjust and i really hope they look at the film and they see hey the defense is just giving us space they're giving us numbers let's take them that's those are my only those are some of my criticisms i should say with jason garrett I, and i'm not sure if they Daniel Jones just isn't experienced enough in the offense they don't really have he doesn't have the freedom to audible to those kind of looks but if you're given space man in the nfl you got to take it space and numbers baby that's what football's about
1: yep no doubt about it anything else specific from i guess i would say a game plan standpoint or just adjustment standpoint that you noticed that you wanted to point out i mean we touched on a lot of it yeah. to be honest I, one thing i will say is mm-hmm. on on the barkley run where he
2: ends up tearing his acl there was a big miscommunication on that play both guards they both pulled that's not supposed to happen Mm -hmm. whatsoever i think kevin zeitler did different sides correct yeah they pulled opposite. yes kevin zeitler (laughs) did not get the memo that saquon barkley who was originally on the right side of daniel jones was moved to the left side well hernandez got the memo because he ends up pulling and then kevin zeitler ends up pulling and they end up basically you know slapping hands (laughs) across (laughs) <laughs> at some sort of mesh point but I, I would like everybody to get on the same page that's one yeah. thing i guess i can say but everything else we kind of touched on love the transition to kane smith the fullback and on that specific play with barkley i just want to say man and i guess this is just an ode to saquon barkley but with no play side guard he was still able to do that he was able to squeak through yeah and and, and get a good chunk of yardage before eddie jackson hits him and it's just i don't know man it really sucks but there were It was a chess match. It was chess match just like it was in week one. And I feel like it will continue to be a chess match. And I'm very excited for week three when I don't have to look at Bears All-22.
1: Yeah, I will say this. (laughs) The Bears have the worst All-22 in the game. The, The angle is just terrible. But again, I came out way more positive about this team moving forward than I expected going into this. And for that, that's a big win for me. And for you guys, thank you again for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter podcast. We appreciate everyone who's been dedicated to this podcast from the start. If you're just joining in now and you're enjoying it, thank you. Give us a shout out on Twitter. Let us know what you want to do, what, you want, what we can do better, what you want to hear more of, how we can make this a better experience for you guys because ultimately that's what it's all about. And as usual, please give us a rating, review. Make sure you download the podcast on iTunes. That's how we build. And also follow us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBender. There's a lot of good content out there. Until then, that's it for us, but you can expect to hear back from us soon. We have an interesting interview coming this week that we're really excited for. I'm um, not going to totally tip my cat on uh, my cap on this one or tip my hat on this one, I just say whatever the expression is. I've used it three times on this podcast, and I think I've gotten it wrong all three times, but it is a former All-Pro player and Super Bowl champion, so let's just say that. Uh, until then, though, we'll speak to you guys later. Have a great rest of your week, and go Giants. Devonta Freeman.
2: The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day or every day. Head to BetOnline online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
0: This is the story of the one